Ladies and gentlemen, and of course our listeners, welcome to A Funny Podcast Presents, a more focused show. This week we're doing Stranger Things, and with us is a new host, a new guest star. It's Brendan, living on a prayer. Whoa, McBrayer. There it is. What's up, gang? <laughs> I'm sure you've had to deal with that before in your life. So. Lots of times. I couldn't think of anything else funny, because usually like our, our other co-host, Jeremy Mills, we call him the general, because General Mills, yeah, yeah. but... No, serial joke. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I just, sure. Sometimes I just don't know what, uh, what, what, what to give people's nicknames. You know. Uh, before we get into Stranger Things, which yeah. is the probably the best thing I've ever seen on Netflix. It's getting there. It, it, it's there. It's uh, there. Let's first learn about you. We have standard questions. Yeah. Um, and these date back to our original podcast, Taco Tiki Tuesday, mm-hmm. which about five years ago is. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Why the fuck should I care? Yeah. And more importantly, why the fuck should the listeners care? Yeah, awesome. Okay. So who I am? I'm uh, Brennan McBurn. Uh, I'm a, a writer by trade. So uh, I write for New Noise Magazine. I used to write for American Music Press Magazine. Um, I used to do uh, music reviews until it started getting too stale. Couldn't say the uh, band was super heavy or really melodically challenging uh, more than a thousand times before I started want to just kill myself. So uh, I stopped doing that and I started doing uh, movie reviews. Um, mostly started doing it online with a couple of friends, uh, just posting them here and there. And just more recently, I've decided to adapt it to more of a YouTube kind of thing going on with that. So still in the early stages of that, but that'll be uh, going down. Um, so can people find that right now? or is that They can, but I'm not like publicly pushing them right now. If you're smart enough, to find them, good on you. you them. <laughs> They're out there. They're on YouTube. But uh, but I'm waiting until I get a better camera, better audio equipment, better editing software, better lighting setup. Right now, I'm just kind of going through the motions and figuring out the voice that I want to use for it. So so once again, you can't find them. I'm not gonna tell you how to find them. But if you're smart and you have the gumption, you'll find them. Uh, so that I think that answers who I am. Yeah. The the next question is, well, was who are you? Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Why the fuck should I care? Why the fuck should the listener care? Why the fuck should you care? That's easy. I'm a great guy. <laughs> I'm a quality person. <laughs> I don't want to sound too for myself, but I'm really smart, and I am worth knowing. And I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that everybody on Earth, at one point or another, comes across something that I've done, whether it's one of my short stories. Some that I've written for magazines. Um, I was working in the music industry, so I managed a couple of bands. Um, I'm in a band. Like, I'll make sure that I come across everybody at one point or another, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> Third question is, what the fuck should the listener care? Oh, because should, of all the previously stated I, things. I think I've, I think I've covered all those bases. Everybody should like. I'm working on. Right on. Okay, Nicole, do you have any preliminary questions for Brandon? No. No. Okay, uh, let's go into Stranger Things, a Netflix series by the Duffer Brothers. Now, um, we're not going to break down any ep- every episode and all that, so why don't we do, before we go into theories yeah. and spoilers, yeah. let's do our normal har, yeah. which we do for the podcast and the website, which is a half-assed review. Uh-huh. Uh, and I also like it because it sounds like a pirate hire. Yeah. It, it, it works great for my feelings. Uh, non-spoiler 
quick point review, as if you were doing your movie minute, but you don't have to say it in a movie minute. Right, right, right. So let's uh, we'll go around the room. Let's start. We'll start with you because you're the special guest. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, okay. So Stranger Things is this. It's it's a concept. It's an entity. It's something that I think everybody wanted, but not everybody knew that they wanted. Um, and and it, it truly does. I think you know I can I can just tread water on saying the same things everybody said. I can just keep saying that. Yeah, this is the greatest '80s you know childhood adventure movie that we didn't see from the '80s. This could have been plucked right out of that time stream. And, and given to us this day, it's almost like a time capsule. It's like something that was made in 1985. They just sat on it for, you know, the better part of 30 years, and they just popped it out there. Um, I think that it, it harkens back to, you know, I feel like when I was watching it, you know, it was it was Steven Spielberg. You know, I was I was getting that feel, and it felt like I was I was finally watching Steven Spielberg directing Stephen King. You know, it's got a lot of those, you know, themes that King worked into is, you know, things like Stand By Me, where you have, you know, the youngsters and, 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 and exactly like it as well, where you have this, you know, ragtag group written in the best possible way that you can get them. And they're all very iconic characters. You know, they all they all serve a purpose to the storyline. And you got your monsters in there. And, you know, it was exactly like finally getting to see Spielberg direct King, which is something I've always wanted to see, but I don't think I'll ever get to see. But it worked out incredibly well. Um, I also think that, you know, it, it's very also inspired by what Abrams was doing with Super 8. So I feel like we're getting much in the way that the Fargo TV series is a great representation, not directly based on, but in that vein. I think that this was a great continuation of what Abrams started in Super 8. And I hope that, you know, this ends up becoming a... This ends up becoming a, not necessarily a theory or a concept, but a new genre in the fact that kids' movies these days don't really focus on what they did in the 80s. It's not about the kids going on the adventure, the kids being the focal point. It's, you know, a lot more comedic this day and age. But seriously, if you look at kids' 80s movies, they were slightly terrifying. Like, E.T., yeah, that's a kids' movie. But there's some dark shit in that. Can we cuss on this? Yo, yeah, you. We're, <laughs> oh, you already dropped that bombs left and right. It's fucking dark, man. E.T.'s got some horrible shit in it. So, um, with Stranger Things, it was truly terrifying. It was incredibly well scripted. The characters were iconic. It's one of those things where I watch a lot of TV shows this day and age, and I walk out the other side, and I can't tell you a single character's name. Yeah. You know, and this one ancillary characters, Barb. Everybody knows Barb. The internet is blown up over Barb. We're going to get into Barb because she's... We will she's definitely a, she's, a, she's a part of my bone of contention. Oh, man. But everybody knows Barb. Right. We can contend Barb because we all know Barb. Right. You know, Steve Harris. I mean, these are great characters. They're, you know, satellite to what's really going on, but you walked out of this thing knowing everything. So, you know, as far as a, a quick review for this, um, you know, just great little you know, piece of sci-fi is you get in there, you get the story, it looked great, it's got the monsters, it's, you know, everything that we wanted but we didn't know that we wanted it, it came completely out of left field. There wasn't a two-year freaking jump into this. It wasn't like, hey, this is going to happen in 2016, everybody get ready, and I absolutely love that. I love that it came out of nowhere, it hit everybody in the gut, it made them, you know, get awake, and I hope that it changes the way that we watch TV shows. A preliminary question. Yeah. 
did you watch the Netflix trailer? Because I know you don't watch, don't watch trailers. trailers. No, no, but I didn't know if that if that was no. just movies or if that no. was other things as well. I don't do shit. I don't even listen to like previews of albums. I'll even try to avoid songs until I can get the album in my hands for the first time and I can listen to it from start to finish. Right. Nicole? I agree. I, I think it was very nostalgic and I it made me feel like I was transported back to being a kid and the soundtrack is awesome. I want to buy it. <laughs> um, That's yeah. definitely vinyl pickup. Yeah, and I definitely. like all the pops and yeah. all of that. Uh, I loved it. I knew I was going to love it, but I wanted to wait till I could focus solely on it. And so we, we waited a couple weeks before uh, it had been out before we watched it. What it reminded me of, and you hinted on this, was that there's a there's an age range of moviegoers that don't get targeted anymore. And that's your 9 to 12 year old. Uh, in the 80s, that was one of the places you did it because Peach 13 was still relatively new with Indiana Jones and uh, Temple of Doom was the first PG-13 movie. So there wasn't really stuff going around that. But it's that 19, late 70s, early 80s, PG, before pre-PG-13 era, where, all right, it's not a Disney movie, it's not an animated movie, which would get G cause back or a musical. Those are the only ones that really got yeah. a G. But this one right here is going to be for that age range because they figured, well, I mean, we were kids. I was seeing R-rated movies by the time I was 10. So, you know. One of my first movies was RoboCop 2. Wow. At three. To think, to, on a side tangent, to think that that's an Irvin Kirshner movie, I just shake my head at. Uh, but it, it's in the vein of, you know, it was a TV movie. Yeah. There were, Stephen King's original, it was a TV movie. And that was one of the scariest things I saw as a kid. Other right. things didn't scare me at all. But when you have things like Cloak and Dagger, Goonies, uh, all those types of things, those were not, I mean, teens could go see it, parents could enjoy it. But it was really focused at that 9 to 12 year old range where you're going to come into it and this is, like, you and your friends could aspire to do something fun like this. Yeah. You know, but, of course, you monsters whatever oh god i love it uh what i think i liked best about it was it took all the great things from the 80s without taking all the stupid cliches and you got the best of john hughes you got the teen losing her virginity love story mm -hmm. you got the adventure which is your goonies your stand by me your sandlot type joy going into it nerd references because everything in the 80s had to reference star wars you and then you have the good uh, psychological thrillers. Because most in the 80s, most horror movies, I would be more to classify as psychological thrillers oh, yeah. than I would out-and-out -out horror movies. Yeah. And I think it was the perfect bleeding of genres that I think they succeeded where Super 8 kind of went off the rails, even though I love Super 8. But yeah. it's, that was the same feeling I got with Super 8. So I think they're in the right track, yeah. in the right vein. But I don't, I don't know if this is catching fire, and that you can't hold on for it for too long, yeah. and repeating the process that chasing the dragon of trying to get the same thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. It depends. We can get through that later after we go through our. Yeah, I hope people the same. I hope people are inspired by this and want to make things like this. I hope they don't try to mimic this and make this again in a thousand different ways. I think that's but that's that's Hollywood's mo right now. Right. It's like how can we duplicate this? Yeah. And 
basically do the exact same thing, but we're just going to have it be slightly different. It's the vanilla ice of... Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you know, I just... I don't know. Well, I'm hoping that, you know, at this point, like, box office is really starting to show that people are really getting over the whole glut of uh, remakes. They really are. They're really starting to not perform the way that they think they're going to. And it's originally, it's going back to... Um, you know, not necessarily sequels are, are, are the way to go anymore, and you're finding that the um, the transient properties, the properties that are uh, coming out that are newer, that are, you know, more out of left field, maybe inspired by something, but, you know, Suicide Squad's a, a great little reaction. That's already past $600 million, and nobody knew what that was going to be. Deadpool, past 600 you know, I don't even know how much Deadpool made, but... Nobody really in the common world knew what Deadpool was. It's starting to lean more towards these kind of movies, and you're finding the verbal backlash to something like Batman vs. Superman, which is, I mean, on it, what is that, the freaking eighth time that we've gotten a Batman movie? No, the ninth time, including the, you know, the 66 Batman yeah. movie. So, you know, it's it's at this point, that stuff's starting to wane. People are really starting to get over it. And I'm hoping that people will not necessarily listen to the uh, higher-ups that are like, well, let's just take this thing that worked and redo it again. You know, let's not take, you know, Armageddon and then go make the exact same movie again with Deep Impact. Let's not take A Bug's Life and make the movie exact same. With Deep Impact Ant- came out before Armageddon. Did it? Yes. Well, Armageddon did it better. I think Deep Impact's a better movie. <laughs> and there's another podcast. <laughs> um... <laughs> But I think on on the wider and the yeah. macro things, things that are greenlit and budgeted right now that yeah. are already in production are of the same vein. Yeah, no, they already. Are. I think it's harder because nobody wants to take a risk. Everybody wants guaranteed returns, and instead they're seeing diminishing returns. And you think if you took economics one hundred and one, yeah. that you would stop this, you would arrest yeah. this behavior. Yeah. But I think with how fickle the market is. Yeah. Because. You can make a shit ton of money doing a Batman again. I don't care what oh, yeah. number it is. Oh, it will. But you have to do it well. Right. And that's one thing where they're failing. Yeah. But I also think you need to take examples uh, where they are successful and right. not duplicate it or replicate it, yeah. but take you know, the hero's journey story. That is common throughout almost all adventure stories. You know, Joseph Campbell's, you know, the time immemorial myth of the, the classic hero's journey. You can do that and put that in another movie so it can be similar to something else but still be something completely new. Yeah. But I also think, especially in the American markets, tastes are changing and we are responding to negatively when we're not getting that diverse cast, when we're yeah. not getting stronger female characters. And you just – it's the same old tired and true stuff and you have the same filmmakers making the same movies. And yeah. Tarantino, even though he's fallen into his own trap, yeah. was right saying that when filmmakers get old, they end up just going back to what they knew and they make the same movie over and over again. Yeah. And I think you're definitely seeing that with Brian Singer. Uh, oh, God, yes. Uh, but I think it's I think it's elsewhere, too, in that with no risk, there is no reward. But nobody wants to take the risk. They just want the reward. Yeah. So let's keep feeding them these things. I think uh, this fall will, will tell with what they have coming out. Right. What can actually do good because – a person like would knock Tom Hanks for his movie choices, but his movies always make consistently their budget back. Right. And yet he's still making movies and you have You know, and uh, it 
And there is, you know, something to be said for the Hollywood machine. I mean, there's always going to be big summer blockbusters, and a majority of them are going to be trash. Like, I'd say 80% of summer blockbusters are just unwatchable. 20%, you know, I come out being all like, well, that was phenomenal, and I'm glad I got to see something of that spectacle. There'll always be things like that. But if you look at, you know, somebody that's actually into cinema or film, an actual cinephile, if you look at usually they're like, you know, top 10 or top 20 of the list, sure, there may be one or two big budget blockbusters on that, but I think with how easy it's gotten to be able to make a film, mm-hmm. how easy and cheap it is with digital film and with editing software, I think a lot of you know smaller budget companies, these are the ones that are really pop- popping out the original ideas. So I think that moviegoers in general are probably digesting more original movies and not necessarily dragging themselves to the big budget movies, which is unfortunately where a lot of America spends its money. But it's not what people are talking about. No. If, you know, you go into the forums, if you go into the streets, nobody's walking around talking Batman versus Superman. Nobody's doing that. They are they're in a negative it. light if they're, they're in, in, at a certain place, in a certain places, or if they're doing it as, here's what you don't do. Absolutely. But it's not something, hey, we need to talk about this. If anything, it's, I'm bored. Now that we've talked all the movies that we actually want to talk about, you need to see this, you need to see this, you need to see this. Now it's okay, now let's harp on something for a while. Let's just get our, you know, yeah. rage engines fired up and bitch for half an hour. Okay, let's do that. So in that respect, I think it is a great time to be alive because we have all these smaller indie budget films that we can go to. Which is why I also want to transition back is that I think what Stranger Things, and I'm going to say Netflix as a whole, yeah. and some of your cable channels do, is we don't need the big budget action movie. Nope. We don't need the, or the summer blockbuster. But we also don't always need that 22 to 24 episode season right. that has plenty of filler. Give me anywhere from 8 to 13 episodes. I'll even stretch it to 16 at times, depending on what the subject matter is, of condensed, concise storytelling that all services the plot, that has maybe one or two or three subplots that don't that run ancillary to the main plot and yeah. don't contradict it or t- distract from it, and give me tight characters, tight acting, clear development, and give me... I don't care. I don't. Well, I don't really care what kind of ending you gave me because yeah. if it, if I talk about it, if you wrap it all up, that doesn't matter to me. It's right. like let's just like have a clear vision of where you're going. You don't always need to have an end game. You don't need to plan five seasons in advance. Yeah. I don't really care about that because uh, that can derail in untold ways, lost, yeah. and you can go sideways. But give us that clear thing. And I think the eight episodes of Stranger Things was the perfect number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, although I did, I was left wanting more, and I was like, man, I wish they could have stretched it to ten. However, I'm worried. I think that they did it right. They, this is what we have the time for. This is what we have the budget for. Let's not overstay our welcome. Yeah. And I love that ending there, and I wouldn't want to see another second of Stranger Things. Yeah. I don't want. An- I don't want another second film. Yeah. So let's. Uh, there. Oh, we can talk about that. There is no second season planned out so far. Netflix hasn't renewed anything. Everybody on the internet is talking like, here's what season two is going to be like. I'm like, you're yeah. making suppositions based off of incorrect data. You don't have, you don't know that there's, there's right? As far as we know, this was a one off. Right. And I think that's a lost art form. Although I'm left wanting more. I've heard rumors that it, may, it might, they might turn it into an anthology series. Right. Which is, which is 
by far, I think, the strongest choice. They didn't, I but I think they can have a backlash. Look at True Detective when they uh, for HBO series. Season one was phenomenal. Everybody loved it. Everybody, that's all anybody was talking about. Now, I enjoyed season two. I'm one of the rare people. Right. But it was a completely different set of characters. They yeah. they did rush it out so yeah. because they wanted to keep it fresh in your minds. But as an anthology series, it was not what people saw before, and so people went away from it. I think the problem with season two of True Detective was it was absolutely a rush job. I think that uh, it's a classic sophomore slump in the way that, you know, some of your favorite bands, um, you know, they'll spend five, six years writing their first album. Crafting. There's no rush. They're, they're crafting it, absolutely. Nobody's, they're not on the, they're not on the clock. Nobody's watching them. They're just going through, they're taking their time, and they're making these songs. Eventually, they get enough songs together where they have an album's worth of material. Okay, so they put out the first album, they sell it to a label. Now, well, it took five to six years gathering that first amount of songs. These are the best songs I've written. Now, you go out and you tour for, you know, an album cycle, which is, you know, usually close to 24 months. And then it's, hey, I need another album. Well, now I have six months to do what took me five month, five years the first time. So you're rushing it. So I don't know how long the original germation of the uh, true detective season one idea is out there. That could have been uh, a story that that team had in place for 12 years. And then they're saying, okay, let's go ahead and do this again. They bring on new people maybe that weren't involved with the first one. You got different voices, and now you got six months to pop out where you originally were crafting for 12 years or something like that. I have no idea how long they took, but obviously it, you, you're really cranking to try to get it out. You have expectations to live up to. Now you have pressure on it. So, yeah, if you try to live up to the first thing, you're going to fail. If you find inspiration and find another story that you have worth telling, you're going to you know, be a lot more honest. I think viewers will understand that. And I don't think they were. I liked it, but it was, once again, it felt so forced to try to one-up the first season. I, I I don't know if they tried to one-up it. I think they tried to go different. I think it was too different for some people. I think so. Uh, yeah, I think it was a it, – it, it didn't have that mass appeal. It didn't have that uh, opening episode that got you the opening episode left you going, huh? Yeah. Uh, but I do think it was a more complicated storyline. I think what they got the problem was that they made it too complicated and – you know, there's a reason teachers in schools tell you to keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. And same thing works for bands. I, I, talking to that point, I think bands who are writing as they're touring th- after their first album in yeah. that touring cycle can have a good second album yeah. is because then they're changing it. It's all being changed. It's about how life has changed for them and yeah. while being on tour, but we're getting off the topic. Yeah. Uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. All right. So now... Theories have abound. We're Okay, uh, warning to the audience. Spoiler. Spoiler. We're going to delve into the shit into this. Uh, I got really nerdy at a couple episodes. Did you? And I kind of made her... You want to tell a story? No. Uh, we're sitting there, and I think it's episode two or episode three. Eleven's in the basement, and the friend's like, dude, she got superpowers. And he goes and he pulls out the... The Millennium Falcon. See, she can make this fly. And he just drops it. He's like, okay, she wasn't ready. And he drops it again. I immediately look over to Nicole. I'm like, that's a screen error. That Millennium Falcon is from the 1996 Power of the Force line and not the 1980s Kenner line. You can tell by the back of the engine because that's molded plastic and not a sticker. And then I turn and look away and I look back at her. And I'm like, that was really nerdy, wasn't it? Nerd. <laughs> it's like uh, you could hear Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Which I hear that quite frequently in my head. Uh, 
And the Lando Calrissian reference when they're running from them and they're on the bus. And they're like, the sheriff wouldn't sell us out, Lando Calrissian. Would you shut up about Lando? Yeah. Beautiful. I think oh, that's yeah. the the best Star Wars reference I've seen in a long time. And I think of all time. I think there's – you could – and two things that came out this past year have great Star Wars references, both referencing the Empire Strikes Back. One was Civil War. When Civil War? When Spider-Man is fighting – uh, giant Ant-Man as he's yeah. enlarged himself and he's like you guys remember that really old movie I think it was called like The Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker is swinging around and like, did he just say old he's like yeah I know I know, yeah. I know. great references yeah. twice uh, let's get into our theories what do we think what do we think happened um, and we can talk about some of the stuff the internet says about it where some people have postulated that the monster is actually 11. Really? Um, See, I haven't seen any of these theories. So why don't you go first and tell me yours and I can kind of react out there. Because I don't, I try not to go down the rabbit hole too much with fan theories. We're all the way at the bottom of that I, You guys hole. are, you, so let's, yeah, we can no, no, no. Because I'm at the top. I'm not, I won't even put my foot in the water and you guys are at the bottom of the lake. We're, uh, yeah. No, we're, we're already down oh, to the mantle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just yeah, trying yeah. to avoid the super hot magma. Yeah. Uh, so one fan theory that I saw, I read off a of Cineblend, uh-huh. um, we read off a of Cineblend, was that the monster is really Eleven and it's a break of her subconscious and that the upside down world is her in, inside her mind and that because of all the twisted experiments, it's her, another part of herself lashing out. That's uh-huh. one. And I now, hate that for that to be true. Oh, so I love the idea of just a monster and a person. No, I, I'm in the, I'm in that boat. I don't yeah. want anything more. Uh, another one said I don't remember who where we saw this one was that uh, the monster is actually one of the previous ten patients because she's eleven. So there's got to be there's ten before. That's well, that's a good and idea. that okay. it it had because it. it People said it looks like a human with no face, right. and that it had no longer needed a it's face flying. because of its uh, brain power. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And what's the other? What's the other one? Plus, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, that is actually a, a cute little thing because if you look at, at this monster's ferocious appetite, like this monster's driven by hunger, and you look at some of the earlier scenes that they're using to establish Eleven, a lot of it's food based. So the ego waffles, you know, she's just really going down after those. When she first meets Billy, the uh, uh, the, the chef, it's very food-based. She's yeah. very food-driven, so she may have a hunger that's driving her much in the way that this monster. So that's actually pretty, that's actually pretty sharp. Well, they also I, I like say that. when you find him, he's got that thing on his mouth, mm-hmm. and it, the, the kids, him and the other girl, what was her name, um, that got taken into the... Bar? Bar. Yeah, Bar. Oh, yeah, Bar. Um, she was not, didn't, she wasn't eaten. Right. She's still there, so yeah. that's why they think that they're being made into whatever yeah. that is. Demi Gorgons. And then, yeah. And then, at the end, where he's in the bathroom, and he goes in, for a brief moment, goes back into the yeah. underworld, um, upside down, uh, and he spits out that thing. Slug. The slug. They think that maybe there's more of them in there, and that's how they kind of turn you, yeah. or that he's going to forever be uh, linked to that yeah. world. Um, the theory I like kind of takes several of those theories, mm-hmm. and it's one I had previously, was that the monster originally is 
a part, a warped part of Eleven's mother, Terry Ives. Because mm-hmm. when they went and saw her, she was not not there at all. Right, couldn't gone. couldn't see. You know, she was she was gone. Right. But she had to have some power because then otherwise, how would Dr. Brenner know that Eleven is going to have this power? Right. And that this monster, and that's why he wants it to touch her to go to the monster. Yeah. But the monster won't kill Eleven. My thing. It was hunting after everybody around her because it wanted her, but it didn't yeah. want to eat her. And that's why near the end there, it's trying to reach out to touch her, hold her hand. Yeah. Is that it has to deal with her mother, the relationship with Brenner, because it was going after Brenner, Dr. Brenner. Oh, yeah. Was not for us. Quote, unquote, Papa. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that there's some kind of relationship there. And I think uh, Eleven didn't disintegrate. She's now in the upside down world mm-hmm. with the monster. They both didn't die, but they're banished there. So they can't just freely come over because it can only come over to our universe because she was there. Yeah. And because it's, it's going after, it wants to bring her home. Right. Well, didn't it rip or whatever when she went in where it was just black and yeah. touched him and that's what opened the No, her, her reaction after she touched him, her psychic powers what ripped it open. Yeah. But we don't know that the portal has closed. Right. We've never seen anything about it. All we know is Hop, the sheriff, went made a deal with them. We don't know what the deal is. Oh, yeah. After he checked on the boy in the hospital, yeah. uh, he came out, got in their car, and left, and that was it. And then we, next time we see him, he's delivering food to right. that little tiny box deep in the forest. Right. But we've never seen the portal close. We've never seen yeah. anything like that. They never showed anything. Except for the kid who flashes at the end where that – and they also say that when he was, everybody came to see him, and his brother had his hand wrapped. Yeah. He didn't really see his hand. I think that he's turning or something possibly because he could maybe smell the blood. Yeah. And so he's hungry. So this is, we're getting into some what if there was a season right. two where you guys think it's going. I have, I have a season two in my head. That is phenomenal. Is this, is this the time to get into this? Okay. Well, so you heard ours, you, you, and right. you liked some of the you liked some of the internet theories. Yeah. Um, I have an idea for season two, but it has nothing to do with this. It's oh, really? Co- completely different. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I don't have... want no no storyline, anything like that. Yeah. The only thing you can do is you maybe take one of the kids and put them as an adult in a different situation. Yeah. Because I think instead of doing an eighties homage, yeah. you need to do a nineties homage. Right. You need to go into a different era every time you do a new season. It's a different era. And I would love to see a 50s era Stranger Things utilizing all the old Hammer Horror films, all the 1950s monster movies, but making it up to date and not being that cheesy, but having something to do with that so you could cross time borders, but then that affects your diverse cast because there was not a lot of interracial mingling or anything like that because the 1950s aren't the good old days. They're fucking scary. Yeah. Well, I I like that you say that because... uh, my theory is much in the same vein, although um, I, I would – what I would do if I was – and the only reason I came up with this because I know that they're going <laughs> to – Hollywood's going to fuck this up. No, Hollywood's uh, going to take this and they're going to make something really stupid. And and when I started thinking about it, I said to myself instantly, like, these kids have just been through one of the most traumatic events of all time. And the last thing you can do is take this exact same cast – Move the story along six months and then put them right back into the shit of things. Because they're kids. Like, you didn't see the Goonies kids right. fight that crime family, <laughs> unearth a giant 
uh, you know, ancient ship filled with gold and then go the next week and get into another adventure. You would need time to rest. You can't just jump right back into it with a kid. It's not Indiana Jones. This isn't a well-adjusted adult. This is going to damage Was them. Indiana Jones a well-adjusted oh, he adult? Was, he was, that guy had... <laughs> Professor Jones had his shit together. Let's just say that. Although he did take children into incredibly dangerous situations for what I can't assume to be is literally no reason. Anyways, so this is what I would do. I don't think that you can have this cast return. I think that... If I was to script a second season, if I was invited into the writer's room, I'd say, let's go at this with a logical point of view. First thing that we have to do, I'm sorry, they all did a great job. Everybody's got to go. The two people that we can keep from cast one, from season one, would be um, Hopper and Joyce. I can keep Winona Ryder, and I can keep uh, whoever played uh, Sheriff Hopper, uh, Chief Hopper. What about Eleven? I'll look at it. You it keep going. You keep Can't going. Do it. I mean, eleven did disintegrate. Like, but right. here's here's what I have. Are we still fighting the same? So, so this is this is it. The very first scene of season two of my version of Stranger Things is Hopper going out into the woods. He opens up the box that we see. Yeah. David Harbor. David Harbor. That's right. Correct. Uh, David Harbor as Hopper. You know, age him up a little bit, put a little makeup on him, but it's you know. It's obviously a different time. He goes out. He opens up the box. He removes the Tupperware. He opens it up. He takes it about two feet away, and he pours out all the food. Eleven has never come for that food. She is gone. He's taking that out there as a symbol of, you did this great thing. I'm going to keep doing this. Maybe you'll come back. You know where it is. If you are over here, I got your waffles for you. He's doing it symbolically. There's, Eleven's not out in those woods, and he's not feeding it. That's never happened. Yeah. It's been 30 years since the events. This happened in 1983. Let's jump ahead. It's now 2013. Where are these characters now? That's what I want to see. And you know what? That shit that was happening to Will was happening to Will. Will didn't come out of this unscathed. Will's not the cheery kid anymore. Will saw some shit, and it changed him on the molecular level. And physically and literally. Um, he's not well adjusted. He's homeless. He's out there on the streets. Lucas, Dustin, and Mike are still involved with their life, his life, but they're going out there. They're fighting him. Will just lives out in the woods. They go out there and they bro down with him every, every day. <clears throat> they make sure that he has enough food. They make sure that, you know, he's got sleeping bags, that he's warm, that he's well taken care of. If it's snowing, they bring him into this house, but he's, he's not very well adjusted. He's out there. That stuff that we saw happening to Will at the end of season one, that's really happening. Will is coughing up slugs. Will is still connected to this place. And over the last 30 years, Will has become more in tuned with the Upside Down. Will, at age, how old, if he was nine in the original, he'd be 39 now or 30 years down the road. Will at 39 or in his late 30s now has psychic abilities. Will, at this age, is about as powerful as Eleven was back in 83. So Will has developed powers, but he's never been trained on it. He doesn't know how to utilize it very well. It's more complicated to him. It's more confusing to him than it was to Eleven, because Eleven had people steering her, showing her what to do. Will's come across this power very organically, and it's confused and scared the shit out of him, and he's never told anybody about it. He hasn't told any of the guys. He didn't tell Joyce. Intel Hopper. Nobody knows that Will can do these things. 
maybe something can happen in the background, and maybe somebody's like a little suspicious of Will, but nobody outright knows that Will has this power. So, for the last 30 years, Will has been connected to the Upside Down, and he can see into the Upside Down, and he's seen Eleven in the Upside Down. That's where she's been. She didn't just disintegrate. She went back to the Upside Down with the Demigorgon, although the Demigorgon didn't make it. She got back to the other side. She axed that shit out. What she's been doing over there for the last 30 years is surviving. And through surviving for 30 years in the Upside Down, she's become one scary motherfucker. I'm talking scorched earth motherfucker. I'm the most powerful. I'm Akira, dude. Like, I am, or Tutso, or whatever that dude's name is in Akira. I am the ultimate brain fuck. Like, come at me, Demi Gorgon. I will rip you asunder with a single thought. She is... I don't want to say omnipotent, but she is a powerful force of nature at this point. She's developed her power. She is fine-tuned. She's talking to Will. Will's talking to her. That's the connection right there. This entire time, Will knows that he wants to get her back. Will understands the sacrifice she makes for him. He's trying to do the same for her. Eventually, after 30 years, something happens. Will's able to just one day, just after trying for 30 years, pulls her back into our universe. So now we have these adult characters, adult representations of the things that we love. So, Will opens up the portal, Eleven steps through, Eleven's completely changed, but she's glad to be back on this side of the planet, because oh my god, now it's time for a holiday, she's seen some shit, she wants some Eggo waffles, Eleven's back. Problem is, Will's incredibly sloppy with his power, much the way that Eleven was sloppy with her power, leaves that shit open. The Upside Down has evolved over the last 30 years. We saw one Demigorgon, okay? This time, instead of one coming through, like nine slipped through. Nine Demigorgons running around this small town, okay? Sounds like a real big problem. We saw how hard it was the first season to take down one, okay? But now we have an evolved Eleven. So Eleven, not a fucking problem. Just over the course of three episodes, just takes all of them out, just one by one. Will's even able to actually get one of them down, but Eleven takes out the other eight. Problem is, they don't close the portal right away. While they're off getting those first nine new Demigorgons, something else pops through. Something bigger. The Cephahydra? Something, something that eats Demigorgons. Mm. Now, this is something that is not so easy to take out. And so, we now have this big Cthulhu-looking motherfucker running around, really effing shit up. It was kind of a problem when the first Demigorgon came through. We lost some people. You lost Barb. You know, Will got taken over. You lost a shit ton of people in the complex. The scientists were getting et up. Like, yeah, it was pretty, you know, pretty big event. This event, five times as big. I'm talking an entire county of people just disappear over the course of, like, seven hours. This becomes a real, epic, big-scale battle this is it, man. You come off firing guns blazing. You're taking out nine Demigorgons in the first, like, three episodes. It's just battle after battle after battle. And then you work your way into fighting this thing that nobody knows how to fight. And that's season two of Stranger Things. I liked it all but the 30-year time jump. I probably would have cut it to 10 to 20. I just, yeah, I just like current day stuff. I say bring it back. I say... If you are going to do a season two, I want to see where they're at right now. 
Because because if you do a '90s, then you got to do an early 2000s. Then you got to do you know if you're gonna start jumping around like that, people are gonna say, okay, well, what that happened 10 years after that? And I'm saying, but nothing that, happened in 30 years. I'm in my universe, nothing. It was quiet. You know, Dustin, Mike, and Lucas, they became relatively well adjusted. They had enough time to settle down. This wasn't a continued thing in their life. No, I don't. Well, just an adult. I, I don't think it would be a continued thing. But they were yeah. what? They're between the ages of nine and eleven. Right. Uh, so by the you fast forward at ten, maybe fifteen years. Yeah. You're in your mid twenties. You still recast them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I still think then you could use uh, David Harbor and yeah. Winona Ryder because I think if you move forward thirty years. Yeah. You're talking some Benjamin Button type shit, and that affects the budget. Yeah. And I think they're going to be a little bit too old to be effectual in it. Right. Uh. And that way you can still do it. The thing about kids are, and most of these movies that have, like from the 80s, have all these adventure stuff happen. Yeah. Nobody really goes into the psychology afterwards. That kids have a remarkable ability to rebound from traumatic shit. It manifests in some weird ways yeah. later on in life, but they yeah. have a general rebound. They could rebound it until the hormones really start kicking in. And I see yeah. now it's something completely different. Uh, but I think... If you're going to go that route, you are right. You need to fast forward some time. You can't have it be the next year. No. This can't be early Nightmare on Elm Street where you just like, he just died and he's already in somebody else's dreams yeah. a month later. This yeah. is, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You have to fast forward it at some point. But that's where I think the anthology series has a good leg up. Where And then you could also shift it in time. You don't, you're not married to anything yeah. like that, <laughs> which I think could really affect people because the low-budget aspect. The 80s style filmmaking that yeah. they went, the Duffer Brothers went through. Look at 1984 is arguably one of the best years of cinema ever. Oh yeah. If you look at all the the type of movies that came out, and a lot of it was sci-fi. Yeah. There's a lot of sci-fi in 1984, uh, and a lot of it, the way they did it was low budget, cheap cheap soundtracks. Like when I heard the soundtrack, she's like, "Oh, it reminds me of Tron graphic wise." Is what Nicole said. I said, "No." It reminds me of John Carpenter and Terminator, right. where a solo guy is sitting on a synthesizer in yep. his room, just scoring it out that way, just deep, 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 deep. Yeah. All right, let me lay that down, and I'll put that over, and then I'll add some... Yeah, that's oh, yeah. stuff. And I think that's was other aspects to it. I also think what makes movie, uh, series and movies like this work, no cell phones. Right. There are some things in the 80s that cannot be remade, and I'm happy for it yeah. because the story would be completely negated by the use of a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, my favorite childhood movie, Cloak and Dagger, could never happen and it can never be remade, and I'm so happy for it. Yeah. Because they have to be, it have to. You're just taking the name and the name, the the title and the names. Yeah. The story would have to be completely different. Right. I mean, you could you could work your way around that. You can you could you can have this thing have an EMP. There's definitely ways that you can no, disrupt you, cell phone uh, signals, especially with the electromagnetic nature that this beast obviously had yeah. messing with lights. I'm sure that if it messed with lights, it would also mess with cell phones. Yeah, I know, but I mean, yeah. and that I, would just be taking the monster and putting it in a different sure. time, you know? Like, sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Then it would then it would be a matter of convenience here. Right. It was a fun thing because it fucked with the compasses. Yeah. And that whole scene about, does nobody know how to use the compass? Yeah. Am I the only one who knows how to use the compass? Yeah. And it was... It's these days, I don't think we know. I think that was a little like, you know what? You're all stupid. I want you to understand how you're all stupid. I want to show a nine-year-old. Yeah, I want to show a nine-year-old knows how to use a compass. 
you adults in this day and age should know how to use a freaking compass. But when when the besides the fact that it brought nostalgia because yeah. we were all children in the eighties, we remember seeing these movies come out. Yeah. Was the the kids like all right, we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for 10 hours. All right, time to go home. Yeah. Oh, it's dark out. I'm just going to hop on my bike and we're going to ride home. Simpler day. And, and there's nothing about it. No. You know, just like, boom. Yeah. Just, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. But I think there was also a lot of social commentary based on the things like that that were in there. The compass thing. Yeah. Uh, there was the whole, the, the older sister's struggle with, Sleeping with the guy, not sleeping with the guy. I did, yeah. you know, the slut versus the prude argument. That was all in there. You saw the consequences yeah. of those actions. Although, unlike an 80s horror movie, she had sex, but she didn't die. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and Lucas, the young black boy, didn't, didn't die either. Yeah. The only one in the movie. Yeah. The only one in there. He yeah. made sure we didn't get yeah. rid of him. Uh, I will say when those, uh, Secret Service agents, uh, especially that female when she got eight, yeah. so happy. I oh, che- yeah. I cheered out loud just because she shot Benny in the head for no reason. I was yeah, like, yeah. "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say, I the season two that I came up with that is my that is my response to best worst case scenario they they try to do the obviously I want them to go with the anthology. No, I want season two to have nothing to do with number one. I wanted to tend to pull a Cloverfield Lane, ten Cloverfield Lane type scenario. You know, I want the linkage is only there for two seconds at the end. Yeah, it's I want if if any linkage at all. Uh-huh. I just I want more Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt. I want anthologies. I want let's pop out as many original fresh ideas as we can, and not take one original fresh idea and beat it to freaking death. I, I guess the question is: Is who owns the Stranger Things title? Is that Netflix or did the Duffer oh, Brothers sure. own no, the? I'm sure Netflix freaking bought that outright. I'm sure they threw down so much money like this is mine. So I then it's this. then the, I guess the better question is: Do you bring in the Duffer Brothers again to do something else, or do you say who has the best idea and let's give something that has nothing to do like who has the best original idea? Yeah, your season two of Stranger Things. I would totally say bring the Duffers back. I'd say you guys had one great idea. Let's see another great idea that you have. I think John Carpenter proves that theorem works. Hey, you have this idea, Halloween. What else you got? Oh, you got this idea, The Thing. What else you got? Oh, you've got this idea, John Carpenter's Vampires, which I fucking love that movie. You are so fucking terrible and wrong. Love that that movie movie. is an abomination. Great. Oh, man. John Carpenter should be ashamed that his name's attached to that. Oh, dig it. I mean, I could have said they live. I could have come up with, you know, a thousand other Big Trouble in Little China. I would have have been on board. I have to go out there every time. To prove that John Carpenter's Vampires is not a shit movie and is great. Another podcast. Another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Quality flick. But yeah, but I like the idea of going back to Duffer and saying, all right, what else you got? And don't rush him on it, man. I don't need season two to come out tomorrow. tomorrow. Give him freaking time. I don't understand where we as consumers got so comfortable with letting things be rushed just so we can get more of it. Man, I'm cool. Take take two or three years. I don't need to see season two have you, next year. Do you know how much content I have out there to see stuff? 
Have you have you not seen the amount of fast food restaurants around here? I know that's the fucking problem. I know I that, that, that that's what I mean. Instant it's a, gratification. But no, Take but your see, we're come up with something good, develop it, and then give it. to You can appreciate this. We're in the instant gratification ADHD right. generation. Right. Where it's quick cuts. Give it to me now. 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 And some people are like that in certain aspects. Some people are like that in everything. And it's not. Nobody has patience for art. Right. Why? Because, well, you everybody wants it, so just fucking sit down and do it. As much as I criticize George R. R. Martin for not getting me the next yeah. Game of Thrones book, because the fact, and I, I, I'm going to say, there's having patience, yeah. and then there's, you're trying my patience. You started yeah. this series in 1994. Yeah. Fuck off. What don't, if please don't die. What if he's not happy with the ideas that he has? Though? No, but see, that's, what if it that's the thing. Time? That's where, that's the one part of my brain that comes in going, you know what? All is forgiven if he gives me a killer book. Yeah. If he gives me a killer book, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because I also want to see how different it's going to be because it's been so different so far. The books right. from the TV show, I want to follow that train because I've invested so much time into right. it. That, yes, I want that book now. But I'm okay of getting it when I get it. Absolutely. I'm going to talk shit, oh, yeah. but I'm okay. And you're, and that's your God-given right to do so, to, to complain. I mean, we are nerds. I mean, this is the one thing that we fucking do is we fucking nerd out. I mean, there's fucking verbiage for it is right. that we get mad and aggravated at things. But there's so many other things out there to enjoy. And let me tell you, after giving up trailers, like I've really found that just walking into things blindly is – I never saw something like Ex Machina coming. I never saw something like that coming. There's so many things out there that can just surprise the shit out of you if you just go with the flow of things coming when they come. Like, I don't... It, it, and, it, and it's pissing me off that I'm not going to get the next Alien movie by Neil Blomkamp because I have to wait for Alien coming to come out first. Neil Blomkamp comes out and says, I'm making a direct sequel to Aliens that's going to make up to every single that ever got every single person that ever got pissed off with Alien Three and that they killed off Hicks and they killed off Newt and they didn't take the story where you wanted it to, I'm gonna make an apology film for that. And I have Ridley Scott's blessing on it and I have the studio's blessing on it and I got Scorning Weaver attached to this. And Michael B. Michael Bean. Everybody Michael Bean. everybody wants to do this, right? And then I get told, well that now that's not happening. And now I get told that Oh, it might happen after Ridley Scott makes another Alien movie because he wants to do it first. And it's just this constant, like, well, this is what's pissing me off. Whereas if I never would have heard of that, and that movie just came out when it eventually came out, I've been a lot happier. But it just – so I'm saying take your freaking time. Don't come out and don't try to rush it and don't come out before it's made talking about it. Talk to me about it when it's made. Show me things when it's right there, ready to go. Question. Answer. Do you know David Fincher's original story for Alien 3? I think I've come across it. I must have stumbled upon it because I'm absolutely obsessed with that universe. I don't have the greatest memory recall on what those things were. I knew that that was not his original vision. I knew it was heavily fucked with. I knew that um, I'm not super pissed at Alien 3 because I take it for what it is. And Alien 3 is a great movie. I think that it's not the greatest sequel to Aliens. It's not, and it's not the – I like Alien 3, but it's not the story I wanted. Right. It's not I, where I would take it. The original David Fincher story yeah. was that uh, Ripley never woke up and your main protagonist was going to be Hicks protecting Newt from a prison. 
full of rapists and murderers. Wow. And the aliens were still there. But Ripley Ripley is still in cryo. They yeah. managed to keep her in cryo because she has she's been impregnated with the embryo. Right. And the rapists and murderers convicts yeah. are then trying to overthrow the prison because there's a soldier here and he's got a little girl and some of them find her very appetizing. Uh-huh. So it's supposed to be a play on who's the worst monster. Yeah, aliens or, or human beings. Yeah, and then it. what happens then somebody ends up waking Ripley up. Yeah. Not knowing she's got the xenomorph in there because, oh, hey, here's another woman, and we haven't seen women for a while. And she's not the same yeah. as she w- before she went in, and that eventually she does have to kill – the ending's near the same. She has to kill herself. But Hicks and Newt are the ones that continue the story after right. that. They're still alive. Yeah. And uh, Fox came in and said, mm, can't do it. Can't make the movie without with having Ripley only in it for five minutes. How are we going to market wow, this? Wow, that's crazy. That was their one objection to yeah. that because well, there a was dark story. There, yeah, but think about. I got a nine-year-old girl. And there's a bunch of rapists. We got to get out of here. Yeah. I got guns. Oh God! Also xenomorphs. <laughs> also, where the hell's Ripley? Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I think it would have been a much more compelling thing because it would have worked oh, yeah. on so many different levels for you. And Alien Four. Was massively fucked with. That was supposed to be completely different. Oh, yeah. And J- they took Joss Whedon's script and said, eh, yeah. we're going to take these three pages. Thanks a lot. And, and and once again, just going on record, I like Alien Resurrection. I think it's a good movie. I, once again, don't think it's a great sequel. I don't oh. think it's... I think that Alien <laughs> is a phenomenal movie. I think Aliens is one of the best movies of all time and a great sequel. I think that made sense. I think what they did after Alien, they took it and they, they transformed it. They didn't retry to retread water that they'd already treaded. Yeah. They did something different, unique with it in a great fucking way. And I think it fired on all cylinders. And that's great filmmaking. It was a great script. Everything was great. I think that 3 and 4 kind of ignored that fact. They weren't trying to be really good sequels, as I, well as being really good movies. They went to Dave Finch and said, hey, go ahead and do something different. We saw what Cameron did. He did something different. You go do something different. And I think that Fincher didn't really try to take the story and expand it. I think he tried to take the story and tell a story that he already wanted to tell. I think back in Fincher's mind, at some point, he was like, I want to tell a story on a prison planet. I don't care if it's got aliens in it. This is the story that I want to tell. But that's not really good for that universe. But I think it, I think it would I actually think it would have worked for the universe because it would have been it would have stuck with some structural themes that you got from the first one. Yeah. Some elements from the second one. Yeah. And yeah, it's just it would, people would probably make call it derivative because it's not alien in space, it's aliens in a prison right. on a planet. But I think that there's you, you factor in the no escape point because they have no ships or any kind of technology. Yeah. You have Hicks with no weapons. Right. What can he do? And he's outnumbered not just by aliens, but he's got to worry about humans as yeah. well. And it's not an android thing. I think it provides – it would have provided a lot of things to make it a completely different thing that it would have been – Correct. Instead of the sci-fi horror or the sci-fi action, you would have got the sci-fi thriller because it's all like – it would have been a lot more psychological. Who can I trust? Is this guy telling me the right. truth? What can go in? And I think it would have been a completely different vein, but we're so colored by that was just what the idea was, not the product we got. Yeah, and I think I think from what you're saying, Fincher's original idea would have served as a better sequel yeah. than what we ended up getting. I think that the scope wasn't correct on Alien 3. Alien was a very claustrophobic, tight-spaced 
movie. And Aliens was sort of claustrophobic in tight space, but they were able to get outside. There was, there was enough room for them to maneuver. There was some close-up scenes, yeah. but I think that the scope of that movie was much larger. There was a bigger cast. There was more action to it. It truly wasn't. You were talking about a planet versus a spaceship, right? Absolutely. So you go from a horror movie, which is tight and and and, you know enclosed, and you go to an action movie on a planet, and then you take it back and you go back to that enclosure thing. And I think that they were kind of working their way backwards on that. They worked their way to a smaller cast. Like they obviously had more victims than the prisoners, but you weren't. You didn't care about the prisoners in the way they cared about the colonial marines. Like, so there's a completely difference there. Except for Charles S. Dunn. Except for Dunn. Uh, but with three, it was just, it was way more compact than it should have been. Mm-hmm. I think that they opened the universe up, and I think that was a mistake taking it back small like that. Like, you know, once again, I like it. I'm not mad that it exists. I'll watch it. It's entertaining. But it's not a great sequel to Aliens. It's a great sequel to Alien. But that's not where they took the story, and they kind of like you know fucked with you know the time stream a little bit by doing that. And I think that's what Blomkamp's gonna go back and fix. But no, this is not where this should have gone. This is where this should have gone. And I think everybody agrees that Fincher included. And obviously Fincher didn't like what what they did with Alien Three because that's not you know obviously his idea of you know killing off all the cast. It was just like well, what do, we got to take you know Ripley back to you know being by herself. That was the strength of the first one. It was like. The second one was amazing. Why are we trying to do that? Like, why don't you continue that storyline? It's like, I ah, just kill everybody off. Well, you can tell. Off-screen. You can see what Fincher, how Fincher feels about it because yeah. pretty much disavowed it and refuses to talk about it. Well, yeah. like it's unfortunate when they were when they did the box set release of DVDs when they first came out in Blu-rays. He refused to do commentary. He's like, I'm not fucking doing this for you people. Yeah. You can take some of the stuff I've said earlier and put it on there. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm I'm done with you people. You had your chance. Yeah, and. Well, I think, I think he didn't do another movie for Fox until Fight Club. Oh, Fight Club. Because, but Fight Club was a different, different company head because it was Fox Searchlight. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yes. Well, by that point, they probably because that was after seven. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, they're like, just do what you want. Like, we're sorry. Yeah. Just, well, and the the figureheads had changed. You know, executives yeah, yeah. inside of a studio get turned over more than. You see new cars. I I just hope that directors in this day and age are able to stand up to execs a lot better than they were in the 90s and the 2000s. It's just like, listen, if you're going to bring me in here to do a job, let me do the job. <clears throat> yeah, I have a vision. Let me get it out. If you like what I've done in the past, guess what? That was my vision. That wasn't the studio exec's vision. That was my vision. If, you, if you're going to hire me to do this, let me do this. Don't be fucking breathing down my neck. I'll show you dailies. I'll let you know what's going down. But I don't need notes. I don't need this. Let me Kubrick the shit out of this. If you're going to hire me, please hire me. Do not hire me to listen to five different execs who have, you know, shady knowledge at best, spotty knowledge at best of what should be happening. Well, they're not filmmakers. They're executives. They're yeah. businessmen. They're money. They're money men. They're, right, not, right. they're not filmmakers. Well, listen, when it comes to budget, if you got a budget problem, bring it to me, and I'll figure it out yeah. with them. But I don't need them for stories. That's what you need a producer for. The producer is supposed to be there. And right. it's supposed to be the director's buffer to the studio. Right. Besides, the producer's supposed to facilitate things, getting the movie happening, make sure people get paid, make sure they have the right location. That's right. part of the thing of a producer. But the producer and the executive producer are all there to buffer against the studio. Right. And you, I don't think you see that as much anymore. Yeah. Because people now kowtow, like, well, we're getting pressure. Elbow, elbow, elbow. Yeah. 
maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe we should think about rewriting this one scene. And you're like, dude, this is this is the Shatterpoint. You remove this scene, the whole movie doesn't work. Yeah. But people don't see that anymore, or or like that anymore. Yeah. Unless you're on an indie th- indie thing, and you can you make this movie for under two million dollars? Yeah. Sometimes only five hundred thousand. Yeah, I can. You just can't fucking talk to me while I'm doing this. I'm gonna disappear for two months, make a movie, and I'll come back, and that's it. And that's what you're gonna get. Yeah. But then I think maybe you also also might see a reaction to things where uh, you got people like John Malkovich who canned yeah. a movie. That has a time release and it's not being released for a hundred years. There's yeah. a John Malkovich movie out there that we will not be alive to see. Well, we don't know how good uh, current medical science is going to be compared to medical science. Based off of how years. the political scheme and everything else is happening in today's society, I'm going to say. Are you saying man won't be here? Not us won't be here as individuals. You're cool. saying the species. What's the thing? Somebody's not going to make it once he's dead. Yeah, somebody can just dig that shit up. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a legal contract that's in a safe. Yeah, but, like, I mean, we got Tutankhamen's fucking coffin out there, man. We can get shit. Yeah, but how long was Tutankhamen dead and in that coffin before we got it out of there? Yeah, but how many people wanted to see Tutankhamen's John Malkovich movie? Once again, it is John Malkovich. I actually don't know how much a superhero. It could be that. super funny or so weird it's painful. Yeah, yeah. Hit or miss. Who knows? Hit or miss. Or it's just all about him. <sighs> I, 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 nobody, I guess it's as good as ours. All right, so we're, and you were worried we weren't going to get an hour. On Just Stranger Things, yes. Well, because we've, we've, we've tangent. We've, yeah. we've done what this show always does. Organically. All right, so Stranger Things is great. Yeah. We want something else for, with the title Stranger Things. Uh-huh. Uh... And we are waiting to see what they do. But if they don't, I cannot wait for them to actually put out a Blu-ray box set so I can get some special features. Yeah. I want some special features. I want to be able to just nerd out and digest it and sit there and think about all these things. And I'm excited to see what these kids do as an acting as they go forward. But I think some of them may not have a career after this. I think that they were great little character actors for this Role, but I don't want to see these kids become Feldmans. Yeah. No Feldmans, no Hames, no. No, no Corys. I hope there are no Corys in this cast. I hope they do not take these kids and shove them down our throats so much that we get sick and fucking tired of them, and then we look back on Stranger Things with a bad taste in our mouth. But do you look back on Lost Boys with a bad taste in your mouth? Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. No. Gotcha. No, but. <laughs> I mean, it could. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are things you can. Oh play. Jesus! But that's a nostalgia bone, so you yeah, have yeah. to take it. So, yeah. all, right. all right, that was our Stranger Things podcast and, uh, and movies in general. Alien. We we went everywhere. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by.